The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, X page, Instagram page, and Rumble page. That impresses me just thinking about that. That's a lot of different directions to go into. Anyway, we have the World Economic Forum going on right now. And one of the things that I find most interesting about them is that they, this is not some deep, dark conspiracy. They're happy to broadcast to us exactly what they have in store for us. They're not hiding who they are or what they want. And it's not some deep, dark conspiracy. And it boils down to this. Let your betters run your lives. And by the way, we are your betters. And if you find it surprising that people with such an offensive attitude are so open about their intentions, why would you be that way? These are oligarchs. Sometimes, and it depends on what they're, they're, you know, when they try to read the room. Sometimes they'll say, it's good for you to listen to us. And sometimes it's the more menacing. You will do what we say if you know what is good for you. But the message is pretty much the same. And because we live in a, you know, democratic age, the elite lean more into the benevolent sounding spend. But it comes to the, down to the same thing, which is uh, sit down, shut up, and do what we say. So that's getting started now. Now, the problem with the World Economic Forum, as it sits today, is pretty much the same problem as it has been here. See, Klaus Schwab, he wrote a book right? He started the World Economic Forum with $6,000, and he's built it into a $390 million a year business, which I'm presuming are, are all of these contributions coming from all of these people. And they got all kinds, all kinds of the elites go into this, you know, various presidents, past and present, you know, that kind of thing. And um, the big problem is this. I just watched this with the NRA. See, Wayne LaPierre would not quit. Wayne La it became known that Wayne LaPierre had become a liability for the NRA. And Wayne LaPierre would not quit. And that is basically the way Klaus Schwab runs the World Economic Forum. There is no clear line of, uh, you know, of who's going to be the next guy that comes behind him. Because he's getting old. He's in his 80s. They say he's a man of immense energy for his age, but, you know, he's getting old. And uh, he has looked at his son, his daughter. He's had a couple of guys come and go. And and he keeps it as his thing. It's his baby. He will not let anybody know exactly how much he is worth. They say he's worth between 25 and and $100 million, which is a pretty big, you know, plus or minus range to be falling into. And probably... This is all coming out. Uh, everybody that works for the World Economic Forum, of which there are, I think, 300 employees, the average salary for anybody in any sort of management position is a minimum of $1 million. I do not know what they produce for their $390 million a year business that they claim to be. It is they certainly have people that have more money coming and listening to them and nodding and everything and appreciating the confab. But nowadays uh, you got people like rebel news that are ambushing these guys as they walk to the meetings and everything. And, you know, just, uh, you know, they're asking questions like John Kerry was asked the other day, what about your carbon footprint to get here? <laughs> 
What about that carbon footprint for all of you to get here? Now, of course, they, they want to get out here and they want you to believe that the world is going to catch on fire. And the only way for it to be saved is for you to give up everything you've got, give up eating meat, give up having clothes, give up having, you know, driving a car, give up having anything. They think they are the elite with the best credentials, so they should run everything. They went to the best schools, they have the money, the power, and the good intentions. Except the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They have no idea that anybody would actually object to this. The problem with this is in a lot of cases, the people that would object the most to this are probably here in the United States. So on top of the fact that they have no real power at all, they're just a think tank. They're the same thing as if you get together and you have a, you know, a book club. They're just a think tank. They're getting together. They're sharing opinions and everything else, making recommendations, all these other things. And, uh, well, they, they have no real power. They have people coming there, right? They have figureheads. They have executives. They have uh, captains of industry. They have heads of state. They all show up there. I mean, Tony Blair has been floated as a guy that might run the World Economic Forum. But Klaus Schwab has no plans on giving it up to anybody. He's going to be like Chuck Grassley and Strom Thurmond and, 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 and Dianne Feinstein. He's going to die as the head of the World Economic Forum. Now, I don't know what that does to them should things go sideways. You know, what, what could possibly go sideways to a company or to an enterprise that has no real power? They get out there and they want to do a lot of things. A lot of people want to do a lot of things. So that's the thing about the World Economic Forum. They're making, uh, they're making suggestions. Now, some places like Europe, where a lot of these attitudes come from, they're all too willing to get on board with it. All too willing to get on board with it. But they, you know, that's why we've had to rescue Europe twice. You know, to put it plainly. Europe is sort of a submissive sort of place. No matter what they, no matter what they have to say, about doing this and doing that, you know. France France is out there trying to show they're a tough guy, for example, right now. They're not. They're not really. So I I, I look at the things that they advocate for and uh, I wonder how they think they're actually gonna make that happen. How they're actually gonna put this together. Um because there's a few things that are going to be in the way. And this, you know, I, I hammer on this on a constant basis. The biggest issue out there today for them is going to be people that will say no. And some people that will say no here in the United States will also have the capability of enforcing that no. And, I, you know, they have no... They have no SWAT teams or anything else. Most of their uh, most of their bruisers that is escort all of these uh, these dignitaries to where they're going are uh, female. <laughs> female. So all that being said, all that being said, uh, Klaus Schwab is apparently he has a, a big god complex and he thinks that he is a lot of things that he is not, and. Um, that's their weak link. That is their weak link. The, they're so enamored with themselves 
They all want to be in charge of everything. Who's going to be, since Klaus Schwab is not named a, a successor, <laughs> what happens if he suddenly vapor locks one day and now the World Economic Forum has to find a new leader? Who are they? Where's the consensus going to come on any one of these people being the new leader? Because all of them have come and intended to, you know, they've, they've been lured in there and then they've left. Both of his kids have uh, a few. A few handpicked people have. They don't have. Uh, they don't have anybody ready to assume that mantle. So, right now they are. You know, they make a lot of noise and everything else. And uh, like anybody else, they would love to be in charge of everything. And the problem is you. You're the problem. So, congratulations. You've beaten down one totalitarian system that isn't even a system. Now, when we come back. Right now, the administrative state is coming to re coming to bear with this idea that there's going to be some reality checks coming their way shortly. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right. As the administrative state continues to try to consolidate things, well, they're running into a couple of speed bumps as they go. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um, see, here's the thing. A, a lot of people say, well, Bill, why file amicus briefs? Why do this? Why do that? Because they do these things anyway, right? Yes, they do. However, however, Sometime, um, you know, when, when you look at a, the other day, a, a female, I can't remember where it was, a female had filed a, a protection order against her boyfriend and her boyfriend broke in on her. And because they had paperwork on him, she had also taken the, the step of buying a self-defense weapon. So he kicked in one door, then he kicked out the other door looking for her. Then he came in there and she held, she held in one spot until he found her in the house and then she shot him. And she walks free today. They did not take her gun. They did not do anything. Because she had set up and and made a case and had the paper trail behind her indicating that he was an issue. And when he violated that and when he was trying to hurt her, which was his goal, uh, she defended herself and that is now, that part of her life is now over. So we do these things. We go take these court cases. We do file these amicus briefs because one day, if we ever have to do get kinetic on these people, then we're going to be able to look at them and say, we told you so. And of course, that's going to get twisted and a whole bunch of other things are going to happen with it, but it's worth the stab at it because it is a peaceful means of trying to resolve something. If that exhausts itself, then we know. We tried everything we could to do this in a peaceful manner. Now, you guys have forced my hand. I hope you enjoy what's coming. Right now, the Supreme Court is hearing a bunch of major cases involving the administrative state. And the agencies, the bureaucracy, the deep state, they're trying to assert all this power and the court is evaluating new questions and reconsidering old ones. And even John Roberts, he's looking at this. And I know everybody's out there. John Roberts, he's a squish. He got out there the other day and he said, uh, well, he wrote this in 2013, actually. Framers could hardly have envisioned today's vast and varied federal bureaucracy and the authority 
administrative agencies now hold over our economic, social, and political activities. But recently, in November, they heard the SEC versus Jarkasi. And they turned to a more recent history. In that case, they looked at the 1977 precedent, Atlas Roofing Company versus OSHA. And the sweeping proposition that an agency can negate the Seventh Amendment right to trial by jury by suing people in the agency's own in-house tribunal instead of a trial court. And the justices had a bunch of problems with this line of argument, but the chief justice raised a particularly blunt one. He said, Atlas Roofing is 50 years old, and the extent of impact government agencies on daily life today is enormously more significant than it was 50 years ago. I mean, the government is much more likely to affect you and proceed against you before one of its own agencies than in court. And that concern and that threat is far greater today than when Atlas Roofing was set up. Alito concurred, and he, uh, you know, he pursued a similar line. When the Solicitor General vaguely invoked history to support the, uh, their power, Alito took a careful look at that history and pressed her to concede that the agency's particular combination of fiscal independence and regulatory power was actually unprecedented, which means they, they, they took it. They made it up as they went. And they already bristle against this kind of criticism. Whenever somebody in the modern administrative state violates the Constitution's original meaning, that it is unconstitutional to make some agencies independent of the president because the Constitution exclusively vests the president with the executive power. And is the Constitution's original meaning that is the most important question in these cases. And Alito and Roberts and... Don't kid yourself. Kagan's going to be, Sotomayor's going to get on on this. We might even see Jackson getting in on this. Um, they're all going to be coming down on this. And the administrative state doubters are not just originalists. They're realists too. And the agencies might get another reality check this week when the court reconsiders Chevron deference. Chevron deference is, uh, they give the agencies great leeway with broadly worded statutes. We see this a lot in the Second Amendment talk, in the Second Amendment fight. Like the Clean Air Act is not clear, but it's very ambiguous, and the court should generally defer to the agency's reasonable interpretation of the statute. But following the federal court's micromanagement of federal agencies, especially agencies' deregulatory efforts in the 70s and 80s, Chevron was originally defended as a way to ensure that judges didn't supplant presidential administration's policy judgments. And Scalia was the most eloquent and energetic defender of Chevron deference. But that's 40 years old and not quite as old as Atlas Roofing. But if you can look at the agencies today compared to those of 1984, past truly is a foreign country. Agencies have completely take, they've kicked Congress out of the way as the center of gravity for American policymaking. Far bolder claiming in power under the auspice of an old law. They're far more willing and able to leverage the regulatory certainty under vague statutes. And they're more creative in putting this together. And Chevron was intended to elevate both expertise and political accountability in presidential administration. Well, they left the presidential part of it behind. And they've gone out there. They're like Skynet. They've become self-aware. So, this does not 
necessarily mean a complete renunciation of courts giving some weight to an agency's interpretation of some vague statute. But now they're going to have to actually use strict scrutiny, which is something that the Bruin case has done in the case of Second Amendment stuff. They're also doing a very realistic reappraisal of certain things. Because we're in an era where the federal agencies and the state governors can make and remake rules really quickly, like Lujan Grisham in uh, New Mexico. And when federal trial courts are much more adept at issuing a nationwide injunction that determines federal regulatory policy, um, the Supreme Court is going to have to modernize. And they're going to have to streamline what they do, their procedure for taking cases and issuing decisions. Oliver Wendell Holmes had it correct when he said, the life of the law is not logic but experience, but only partially right. The law needs both, and constitutional logic and administrative experience. This means that it's time for a few reformations to occur here because they're getting out of hand. And then we'll see where they go from that point. Once a, once a few of these things come down, like it's already been established that the EPA can't run somebody out of business with all of their little standards and everything, which is what they're trying to do with the car industry right now. Right? They're trying to do that with the car industry with these crazy, crazy requirements about... Uh, and this will get challenged in court if the, if the car companies go in, you know, if they actually were to get out there and fight the fight. But we'll see how that goes. But, they're, yes, they're always going to be coming at us with all of these things, trying to do it. And, yes, it is exhausting. And, yes, it would be so much fun just to think about, you know, tailgating your, uh, you know, your, your weekend coming up and all that other stuff. But that's never going to happen because you got too many people out there that think that they're smarter than you when it comes to running your own life. And you have to make a decision. And you can sit out there and say, I'm a realist, I'm a that, I'm a this, I'm the other. You know, that's fine. You're, if, if part of your being realistic means that you're going to submit to this leftist Marxist stuff coming along, well, sorry to hear that. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas with a guy named Chad Copy. He's running for the 7th District in Illinois. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. One of the uh, more insufferable executive members of the cabinet is Alejandro Mayorkas. And some guys on the Republican side got a few plans for him. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Joining me now is Chad Coppe. He's running for a House seat in the Illinois 7th Congressional District. That's got to be fun, Mr. Coppe. How are you doing this morning? Fine. I hope you're well. So let's talk. Let's talk about Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, is this something that you would be? I mean, is that even? I would think that would be almost a campaign issue, especially in Illinois with all of the illegal migrants, immigrants that are the aliens that have been shipped your way. Well, it is a, a huge issue. Uh, the Seventh Congressional District uh, includes Chicago, uh, Illinois, which uh, it's got the uh, Mercantile Exchange downtown and all the finest. Uh, 
things in the world. And then if you get down into the south side, uh, south end of the uh, 7th Congressional District, well, then that's where the uh, the black community lives. And essentially, Chicago always uh, votes uh, uh, Democratic. But there is a movement uh, in, involved in the people wanting change now. And so the uh, United States uh, the populist movement's in progress. And I can't say that we can win that election, but I can say that if there's a possibility because of the disappointment with the, especially the black people, because of the uh, influx of the uh, illegal illegal, uh, illegal people coming into the Chicago area, and they get the finest of everything, or, or at least they get treated quite nicely, and the, and the black folks are still living in the ghetto, and they don't like it. So if I come out and, get, and, and, and the person that I'm running against would certainly be voting for my orcas or... And if I was to be able to get the seat, it would change two votes in the Congress. In other words, it would eliminate his vote, and my vote would be uh, in, in the correct direction to to eliminate Mayorkas. And, of course, the only thing that we can do, we can't fire Mayorkas my, my if I was – or the Congress I'm talking about. The Congress can't fire Mayorkas. All they can do is impeach. Well, I'd be all for impeachment. But let's hope we have a regime change, and then the, the new administration could fire this guy. Right. And we would be pushing to uh, we could be pushing to get this guy impeached to begin with, and push to get uh, get him fired to uh, uh, after the election, which happens in November. And of course, we don't get a new president seated uh, or a president seated until uh, January. Uh, what is it, sixth or something like that? Right. But uh, anyhow. Uh, there is a movement in progress in the country today that it would be possible that I could get elected. In the meantime, we can make make waves as much as possible during the campaign, which my campaign will last all the way until November uh, for the general election because I've already won the primary because I'm the only candidate on the Republican side. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If they if if they did successfully impeach him, right? They successfully impeach Mayorkas. Uh, you know, he made that little veiled threat about who, the one that replaces me would be worse. Do we have any idea what the uh, line of ascension is on that one? Do we know who their short list might be? I don't know, but uh, what he said probably has great deals of merit. It probably would be worse. But I don't know how, but. Uh, in the first place, uh, impeachment does not get rid of him. In other words, all he does, is the impeachment means, okay, you, you've been charged and convicted of, uh, of, of uh, the, the charges, but the other thing about it is he still holds the office. Right. So uh, the only way you can really get rid of him, even after uh, the impeachment, would be if we have a regime change in the uh, in the administration, and then the administration, I would believe, would probably fire him on the first day. You would think we win if we win the if 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 conservatives win the election, and I'm confident that we will. So, uh, with with uh, in in Chicago, how about now in New York? They're starting to kick kids out of school and making them learn uh, making them learn remotely in order for the immigrant, the illegal immigrant kids to be able to go to school and stuff like that. Has it gotten that bad in Chicago yet? 
It is. It's very much akin to that. I'm not certain how it really is on that count, but uh, they're they're getting the favored treatment, needless to say. And now they even want uh, they're they're asking the citizens, like myself, uh, not particular me, but the citizens uh, should take in these uh, uh, in their own home. Yeah, I saw that these these illegal uh, immigrants. You see. Okay, well, that would be a fine kettle of fish for me to have. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd probably get like five or six uh, nice young military age young men who oh, would look yeah, like they maybe. could do all of your yard work for you, but that's not why they would be living in your house. No, I'm sure that they would uh, probably be very rebellious, you know. Uh, <laughs> not rebellious so much as take charge. In other words, yeah. uh, <laughs> They own the situation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. The uh, the the uh, y- your opponent now is he an incumbent Democrat? Oh yes, his name yeah. is, he's he's a black uh, entrepreneur. He's got he's a, got a lot of banking interests and in one thing. Now he's been in office for years, uh, but he's uh, he's as far left as you can get. In other words, if, if Biden or the administration or the that leftist movement out there, whatever whatever they say, he's he's right in line with it. Right. Uh, you know, one thing I look back at and I marvel at is that in these cities like Chicago, where they have so many problems, so much crime, the inner city, they, they've, they've, they've destroyed the family and educational opportunity and economic opportunity, and now you got whole generations of young men who just happen to be black that are consigned to death, and yet they keep voting Democrat. Well, that's a mystery, uh, but uh, they get free telephones and things like that, and, oh. uh, and, and promises all of the. You know, in other words, uh, it's it's ingrained in them. In other words, the poor the folks they're just getting used something terrible. Yeah, they're getting bought off. You know, that's that's, that's... they get bought off awful cheaply too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that and everything else, and I. And plus, you got Kim Kim Fox in there who doesn't prosecute anybody. You got Brandon who is, uh, I mean, he makes your former mayor Lightfoot. He makes Lightfoot look like a statesman. So yeah, I mean, yeah, she looks like uh, Ronald Reagan for people. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, you got a you got an uphill battle. So we'll be talking to you on a regular basis as we go through this, just because from me, this is very interesting to look at this on the, at 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 the level that you're at, because you're at a closer level than I get to be normally. Uh, Chad Coppy, he is running for uh, the 7th Congressional District in Illinois. Yes, and I got a website. It's spelled K-O-P-P-I-E for congress.com. Go check that out. See what he stands for and everything else. See what that there is a choice in some of these places where they make the wrong choices. I'll be talking to you, sir. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you, and thank your audience as well. Yes, Hope sir. you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Very good. We just, we've had some uh, tax increases in Greenville County. What could that mean for you if they decide to go rogue with this? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Well, we we just had this big uh, tax increase in Greenville County, and I saw this, and I don't know what the actual uh, the actual procedure here is in Greenville County, but in in May, 
Tyler versus Hennepin County got in front of the Supreme Court, and this was a major victory for property rights. This helped protect homeowners' equity by declaring it unconstitutional for governments to take more than they're owed when collecting a property tax debt. And now, some counties are upset because they say their gravy train has dried up. So they, they were enjoying stealing that free money. But uh, the, the way it would work is like this. Uh, Geraldine Tyler, 94-year-old Minnesota grandmother, she moved into a senior living apartment. She missed $2,300 in property tax payments on her condo. With penalties and interest, her tax debt ballooned to $15,000. They launched a tax forfeiture proceeding, seized the condo, and sold it at auction for $40,000. Then they kept the $25,000 profit rather than returning the excess equity to Geraldine. That's home equity theft. Typically, the ones they go after are senior citizens living on fixed incomes or people with serious medical or mental health conditions or people who have hit a financial rough patch, which sounds like this particular time in history, doesn't it? It happens all, you know. And uh, there was one guy, Yuri Raffaelli. He lost his Michigan home when the county seized and sold his property after he underpaid his taxes by $8.41. Uh, in 2022, they did a study, and between uh, 2014 and 2021, U.S. homeowners lost at least 8,600 homes and $780 million to home equity seizures. On average, they, the homeowners involved lost 86% of their equity. And that is a massive transfer of wealth from a struggling, just trying to get by American homeowner to a bunch of government agencies and private investors. Now, I understand the whole deal. Property owners have to pay their taxes. And if you can't or if you don't, then you should face some sort of consequence. But in the extreme event that properties are seized or liquidated, you got to give them the extra money. You can't take everything that they get out of that. John Roberts, once again, surprisingly, John Roberts, he wrote, the taxpayer must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but no more. Now, here's the thing. I don't know. And if you're out there and this has happened to you, I would love to know about that. I would love to know about that. I would love to know if uh, we have this home equity seizure. We know that 19 states still have this as law. Let me see. Let me double check that. 19 states still allow home equity theft despite the ruling in Tyler. And this violates the takings cause of the Fifth Amendment. Some states even let private investors buy tax debt and reap the windfall when the taxes go unpaid. And that's that is that's, that's almost speculative in some ways. Only two states have changed their law since then: Nebraska and Maine. Notice South Carolina is not one of them. So, I want to know. I, I need to find this out. I will probably look into this. I don't know. I, I guess would it be a real estate lawyer? Maybe a realtor would know. 
I know a couple of realtors. I could ask them. But, you know, property taxes, um, I understand that they're going to tax you. They're going to tax you every way you possibly can. They, they, they can find a way to do it. They're going to tax each and every dollar you get five, six, seven different ways because they're government and they're parasites. But they don't get to take from you more than you owe them. If you own five bucks and they go out and sell something for 20, they owe you 15 bucks. Except in today's America, in today's America, in South Carolina, the legislature would pass a law to make the taking retroactively legal. That's probably true. That's coming from the text line. I guess what's going to have to happen is I guess some, well, now that this is uh, even if, uh, you know, this has been found to be unconstitutional, so they can get out there and try to make it legal retroactively, and then somebody needs to take them to court over that. On a text line, hey, Bill, the story about the 94-year-old lady in the county keeping the excess money is a white-collar investigator with the sheriff's office. We put people in jail for that. That absolutely is theft. Also, another text line, same same texture. Also, I believe if a bank forecloses, sells the property for more than they have, they have to give you the excess money. So um, that would be great if that's the law in South Carolina. That would be stupendous. I, How much of a... How much hope do I hold out? <laughs> um, but yes, uh, and this is a very, very good thing that one of the texters says. We should reassess how we think of taxes. Every time they pass a new tax, in my opinion, since we're not getting anything new out of it, this is simply an indicator that they don't know how to keep the books. That should be resisted uh, at, 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 uh, under all means. I'll be back here tomorrow. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.